Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hi, I'm Coy Jondro. And I'm Amy Dallin. And we are Collider Heroes. So I'm always down for a good matchup, whether it's a universe crossover between the Justice League and the Avengers, or two other great teams meeting head-to-head. But if your kind of matchup is more on the field, you're probably pretty excited about a certain upcoming game. The action you're looking for is at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account on betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% off sign-up bonus. Yes, that is 50% off sign-up bonus bonus if you haven't done this before there is one game left on the nfl action it's the biggest game of the season you don't want to sit on the sidelines you can get in on it at betonline.ag so use the promo code podcast one for a 50 percent off sign up bonus and it is the rams versus patriots this sunday in atlanta it is the super bowl amy might not watch team sports but your boy's pulling for the patriots i'm gonna put a bias right here uh so that is this sunday so use the promo code podcast one for the most exciting game of the year it is here do not miss out betonline.ag in the age of online retail buying a car should be no different That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a 7-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. It's that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. 
When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We have the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of Birds of Prey. And so much new Shazam news coming at you. We're going to be talking to the one and only Benedict Wong today on Collider Heroes. And it's episode 290, which means we're 10 episodes away from 300, yes, which is when Venom debuts. Guys. I'm very yep. excited about it. We're mere 10 weeks from the big 300. You heard I it here first. Hype, hype, hype. We'll be on the show. We will somehow invoke not, not the actor, Venom. Venom. Like, I'm just going to yell Venom throughout that 300. That's just going to be very exciting. Koi <laughs> Jandar is here. I'm Amy Nallen, and we're joined again by the wonderful Dorian Parks. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. We're talking to Agent Show today, so you know I have to be here for this episode. <laughs> Thank you guys again for letting me come back. It Spoiler alert law? for the minor mutations for Dorian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a collider bylaw that none of y'all know about that we're legally not allowed to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without getting Dorian. Of course, you know. And I, there's, there's my show. We say it, and you just manifest just it. It's like Beetlejuice. It's magic. So this week we had the Birds of Prey trailer drop, and I liked that teaser. It's getting a lot of crap on the internet, but that 20 seconds is it? one. Oh, it's oh, been yeah. yeah, then it's the internet. See, I've I've had my head down like working on shit, and so I sometimes I miss one. I'm like, what? Okay, talk me through this. The people are angry. The they're, people they're, are they're angry. saying that it, they shouldn't have just showed a camera test, that we can't tell who the characters are, that we want to see Ewan McGregor in the mask, but it's a... They're shooting the movie right now! It was day two of filming. I thought it was really cool, much like the Joker, how they showed us a camera test, so we got to experience a little taste. I thought it was smart. It's a tease for mm-hmm. a tease. It's also one-third of a minute. So to be mad <laughs> at a third of a minute, I don't understand how you can be so angry. But for me, I thought it was a really good opportunity to give us like just a morsel, a little bit. So no, I like yeah, it. no, I completely agree. Like, but people are, like Koi said, complaining online, but it's just like, bro, this is not, none of this is going to be in the actual movie. It's just like test footage. Just like, hey, we're showing you, like, the, the production has started, not, oh, this is like our first look, official looks at Harley, Harley Quinn and all that, because she's going to have multiple outfits. Like, all of those aren't going to be their final looks. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit frustrating, but I thought they looked fantastic. And seeing Black Canary, like, seeing her for the first time, like, live action like that, yeah. it, it's, it's cool mm-hmm. to see some of these characters finally pop up on live screen. So just just, just and on chill big out. screens, yeah, we've had big. a couple incarnations of Black Canary now, but we've we've seen like she's had a lot of different versions. Black Canary's had a long life, and so I got I like I mean I kind of flipped out over this. I loved it. I don't know whether it's just like you know y'all who've been watching the show for a while know that I had mixed feelings about Suicide Squad, but I have been really positive to my own surprise about the whole development of this movie. It's not the Birds of Prey movie I would have designed 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but that movie is not in the picture. Oracle, like, I, I did my morning for that in 2011. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but the the movie they're putting together has my full attention. Absolutely. I'm so interested in it. And we know a lot from this tease, which, again, is not a trailer, is not a teaser, is not a finished movie product, but is a thing that says, here's what we're doing here. Here's a vibe. Here are the beginnings. Here's Rosie freaking Perez. For me, it was like a sizzle. It was literally just the, the, the book cover. I, I, I wanted to just know what characters I was dealing with. I wanted the world to get excited. And it was trending, which means now people that didn't know about Birds of Prey, they get to know about this movie. So, And we do get some legit information in here. Uh, we get the visions of some of what they're doing with each. We see Hunters has a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, Cassandra Kane uh, looking real adorable. Yeah. Uh, we see... Uh, 
I, I was particularly interested in, in Journey Small Bell, uh, her Black Canary. We know now that they are going with at least some version of the like rock band singer Black Canary. Yeah. Um, you want to check out Annie Wu's version from the short-lived solo series that Black Canary had in DCU, which was like 2014, 15, something like that. Um, it only ran like 12 issues, um, but it seems clear that some of that DNA is bleeding in here, uh, and, and I'm really interested by that. Um, and I'm also excited to have it be proper, not like leaked photos. I'm glad it's not. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of paparazzi photos i'd much rather see these things with lighting and with sound and enjoy it so i think it's a smart so move. here's a weird thing rather than having the photos leaked and not having control of what it looks like being like we're throwing our own damn photo shoot and this is what the birds of prey looks like it's the meta narrative of the film yeah it's the fabulous emancipation of margot robbie playing harley quinn and controlling shit 20 seconds am i way over like is this way too much for me to be excited about a 20 second teaser that could still go like they're making the movie it could still suck i don't think it's going I, to no i don't think it's going to either because we have uh, I loved Bumblebee and the writer from Bumblebee, Bumblebee she's, was gonna, she's handling yeah, so she's she's handling this and writing this script so I have complete confidence in her and, and the story she's going to tell because I was already I already had faith in this movie but now that she's behind it and she's going to be putting her magic on it I think they're going to knock it out of the park because I think this new DC wave there it feels like they're really letting the the directors and the screenwriters have full control of it and not they're not trying to barge in and be like we need to do this we need to do that to please the audience but they're just letting them tell their story so I think we're going to get something real special with this. Yeah. What do you think of Mr. Zaz? I want more scars. Uh, I want a little bit more. Do you think they're just neck down? Do you I think, think that's what they're pulling on us? I'm hoping they're just going to be CGI and we're going to get them later. Okay, I, I okay. think that it might be like a, a, a sizzle isn't going to show us the full formed character. It's like we didn't get Black Mask in the mask. Mm-hmm. I feel like Zaz is not going to look like that when we finally get to him. I thought it was an okay image. I like I like the bleached hair. I like that like that street guy. But I do think he's going to have to be more scarred up if he's playing Zaz. It will be. We were just talking about Punisher. So we, we have to be fair to all so the extremely handsome. handsome people that we're supposed to believe are heavily scarred. Billy Russo with that one little cut where he's like, like, mmm. He just looked like edgier. It's just like an Australian <laughs> lion fight. Now he just looks more mysterious. Uh, I do think, like, I mean, I, I will, any couple of frames of Ewan McGregor, like, he's bringing that presence. He's Ewan McGregor. He doesn't really have to, like, he can do just do, look do at the camera and be like, yes, I'm investing this person with personness. Uh, so, I don't know. Reasonable or not, I am very excited by this glimpse. And, and just guys- a, a shot of Margot Robbie. I'm always, you know what I mean? Like, her as Harley Quinn is always fun for me. Like, these images are fun. I'm excited for this movie. When do you think we'll get our first trailer, though? Uh, two months. Two months. I think. Two I- months after filming the movie? When it doesn't come out till next February? I th- well, six months out from, from the first. It comes out in February. So that's August, right? How long is it till August? I don't know. More than two months. I'm thinking they'll give us a first teaser that's like a minute long in like two months. Oh, Since fine. once they wrap this, once everything's done, I feel like they've been putting out more trailers for Maybe better San Diego Comic Con probably get something there. Probably. I think, like, yeah, Comic Con's in July. I think that would be a good time to drop yeah, that makes some, sense. some Birds of Prey excitement. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited for it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why the world got so upset, but I, I think more is better. I, I think- do, like, they, they're going with Midriff Huntress, but Midriff Huntress has, like, there's an actual Gail Simone issue of Birds of Prey where she's like, I didn't do all these ab crunches for nothing. And I remember being like, that's dumb, but also brilliant. Like, I don't know. But it, but it, it really... Somehow they've got me on board, which is probably part of what this teaser was supposed to do. So, good job. Um, can I throw a shout out just as a general to folks at home? Uh, Journey Smollett Bell plays Black Canary in this movie, and she has a brother uh, who you might also know. His name is Jesse Smollett. He is an actor. He was on Empire. Um, and we are all sending good thoughts his way this week because uh, he was uh, 
unfortunately, the victim of a pretty terrible attack. Um, and that's pretty shameful. And we're all yeah. hoping for better things for the world. So Shazam, for me, is one of my most anticipated movies in general. It looks insane. The fact that Zach Levi flossing is a promotional <laughs> still. This movie looks bananas, and we got a ton of info about it this week. What did you guys get out of it most? Like, What are you most excited about? Um, one thing I'm most excited about is the thing Zachary Levi said, said, that the core of the film is its heart, and it's like a family movie. And I think DC keeping tackling that, those type of stories is what's going to make them really elevate their game because that's one thing that really honed it in for me with Aquaman is yeah. the, the emotional tone with the, the characters and the relationship between the family dynamics. So if they can capture something like that within Shazam, then they got another hit on their hands. So that's one of the most exciting things I'm excited about. What's going to be fun with this one is that like if it comes out, you're going to get a bunch of people being like, it's a left turn after Aquaman. And it's like, no, nah, it's just the movie they set out to make several years ago that they've been doing in basically, as far as I can tell, isolation. Uh, and it was interesting to read a lot of these interviews where sort of it was like, okay, were there course corrections, were there changes? And it seems like, no, from the beginning, they talked to David Sandberg. They were like, we want to do big with superheroes. And he was like, that sounds real fun. Let's do it. Yeah. And then they did. So it's, it's the thing that actually jumped out to me from these interviews uh, is, and this I think doesn't get into spoilers, but he talked about this being kind of his monster movie. Yeah. He talked about visualizing uh, elements of the villain here uh, in a way that like, he got to sort of play around with. And that's something that like, we haven't really seen yet in the promotional material that makes me very interested in the mythology they're building for this specific film. Mm -hmm. um, and as usual, I don't want to know everything before I get in there, but that does have me really excited. It was very cool to, to read Mark Strong's take on his character, to read Zachary Levi reacting, the whole process of getting the part. That's worth tracking down that interview, just for him to be like, maybe it's fine that I, the Warriors 3 uh, <laughs> happened, whatever happened, happened. Uh, yeah. Because I would have been locked up in contract. And that's, you know, you like to see that kind of philosophical approach. Yeah. Because um, you know we love Fandral. Right. But, and, and exactly why he's like the biggest happy man child ever. So I think he <laughs> belongs being Shazam more than he belongs as Fandral. Like, I thought he was fantastic in the Thor movies, but this opportunity, this is the, the role he was meant to play. Like, every every single frame we get out of this, every trailer, it looks more and more fun. And I'm really excited for the mythology. I, I agree from the interviews. The number one thing I got from it was how much everyone's invested. Everyone seems to really be trying to cook up something really special. And I love the fact that we're going to get an entirely different angle of DC Universe like this year. It's, it's so close. I'm so excited. And another thing, I think during the interviews with um, he, he also mentioned, I, I know it was a while back, but he did mention that uh, Henry Cavill is still Superman regardless of what's going on. <laughs> he's he's still rocking the game yeah. somewhere. In the, like, even though he doesn't have a movie lined up, he's still Superman, but we do need a man of still too. So that needs to be the next focus after after this next wave of movies. <laughs> Let's get another Keeping Superman. that wave going? Yeah, we, like, uh, come on. We, we got to get him back. Yeah. Why, why not? Why wouldn't you bring him back? He's a perfect Superman, in my opinion. The, the mustache is gone. It's time. <laughs> it's time to bring him back. So I think that those are our two main stories of the week. We are now going to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Benedict Wong. So we are here with Benedict Wong to talk all things Deadly Class. I am so excited. I love this show. Hi, guys. Thank you very much. Thank We're you really so proud much for being here. Thank oh. you. Thank you. So the comic is very cinematic to me. I love the way the comic feels, almost like a 16 by 9 frame. The art is very kinetic. It's energized. It's all that. And the show really translated that. When you first read the script, could you feel that pulse, that crazy frenetic energy? Do you know what? I really didn't know what was going to uh, happen. You know, I mean, all I did was like read the source material, know that, uh, you know, that um, Rick and Wes Craig were involved and that... 
You know, the, to, to, to actually, you know, for Sci-Fi and all, all uh, uh, NBC and Agbo to kind of really put the faith to put the, uh, you know, put it back into the hands of Rick and just uh, allow him to make that transition and for him to be the backbone showrunner. This is a, a rare with, uh, situation. Miles, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's really been done with other comics before. And uh, so, I, I, you know, just rest assured that the people that have invested in, in Deadly Class can just really look forward to enjoying it, you know, on uh, uh, the, the television series. And also kind of... You know, just kind of uh, uh, um, where Rick will sort of broaden what's going on within that world, I think. So, yeah, it's... Um, what no, was I'm really the, thrilled. What was the journey to this show for you? Like, getting the script, and was there an immediate moment where you were like, I can be this guy? Do you know what? It was the most easiest uh, audition process. I just got a phone call off Joe Russo when who's saying, you know, I want, I, I, um, Benny, I want you to be in this script. It's going to be great. And it's like, yes, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and then reading the source material, it's just like something that hasn't really been seen before, I think. And especially, um, you know, I quickly got on to, you know, Rick had, uh, had got a Spotify list. And so I was, I was playing that, listening to it and reading it and, just you know immersed into that world and um you know i'm really looking forward for everyone to seeing it the music definitely shapes the show and i really like that it feels authentic it's not just like the greatest pop hits of the 80s it's actually the punk flavor that i I think of the 80s as being when it's done right was that an integral part of the process on set was that something that was talked about was was the music the musicality a part of the conversation totally i mean i think that 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 that's rick remender uh, all over, really. I mean, if, if you listen carefully with the soundtracks and the poignancy of whatever lyric that kind of, you know, hits a certain scene, you know, you can really tell that this is someone that's really kind of, you know, the devil's in the detail and, yeah. you know, like cr- fine crafting that, you know, uh, and that's something I've not seen before. Yeah. I'm curious, you are playing uh, a, a mentor to yeah. a large group of kids with very specific talents in the show. Yeah. Um, but I also, I heard you, uh, you the, your wonderful conversation on Collider Live, you were talking about various mentors that you had in the, the years that you've been acting. Mm. What has it been like behind the scenes, like being surrounded by all these talented youngsters who um, may or may not, I'm ex- guessing, be looking to you as the veteran here? Yeah, I'm definitely the veteran, <laughs> and I really realised how old I was now. Oh. And uh, but the kind of uh, they're such a talented bunch, you know. And as I said before, I'm just holding on to their coattails, really. And um, it's a great ensemble, and also the, the the guest stars that we have as well are fantastic. Um, it's I think they kind of. Uh, I'm a bit like the Uncle Buck figure. Uh, so, um, you know, but uh, I'm always there for them, you know, and uh, um, whenever they need us. Another great bit of casting, which I thought played into the musicality of the 80s and all that, was Black Flag's Henry Rollins. Yeah. And I love Henry Rollins' part in the show, and it, it instantly made me see it as, like, dark arts, he's like the Snape, and you're like the evil Dumbledore. Right. Was there anything in the script that called to you to, like, make that character so like like when you read the character on paper it's not nearly as likable what did you find in the role that like drew you to him um well 
I mean, it came, yeah, it came to me really, you know. And when I when I read it, I mean, there was only kind of, you know, sort of a smattering of like Lynn, you know, turning up, and um, and I think that that was the job really. What uh, rig uh, rig? <laughs> what what Rick did was like, you know, we kind of sort of uh, plump up, you know, this other world because we don't really know much about Lynn and I think this is what will un- unfurl in the in the uh, in in the series yeah yeah so this isn't your first adaptation uh, and it no, is you've you've done history you've done science fiction uh, you are now I, I would like a master of all mediums what has I mean you've done theater film and television yes. what are you sort of what has surprised you as you go or what what have you learned about walking in all those different worlds um, you know, I mean, I just kind of enjoyed telling stories. That's it, really. You know, I mean, for a while when I was starting out, I was, you know, I was a jobbing actor, and and then, uh, you know, I kind of got, uh, you know, I hit a few breaks, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, if you're fortunate to do this, you know, you can close a few doors and then just kind of see what uh, 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 arises. And um, you know, I've been really fortunate to be involved in so many different. Uh, genres, you know, sci-fi, and, and as, as you said, uh, Kublai Khan and Marco Polo that we did, and and you know, this feels so. Uh, I, this there's this nostalgia element where I mean, I think you know, people uh, of my age will be watching this, and uh, and they've they've not really been represented, really, you know, this kind of uh, this kind of uh, subculture, you know, and um, I think everyone uh, of all ages uh, uh, will enjoy it. You mentioned sci-fi, and you're in a number of my favorite sci-fi films, The the Martian, Sunshine. Uh, Is is there something that draws you to genre content? Is there something that appeals to you about a certain type of that certain medium? Uh, Well, uh, I I, I mean, I've always loved sci-fi. I mean, even watching... Blade Runner at the corner house in Manchester, and you know, even <laughs> with the kind of uh, the detective noir uh, uh, narration, and and you know, obviously to, to work with Ridley twice, you yeah. know, it's just kind of, you know, I mean, I am a geek, and basically, <laughs> you're in the nest. I'm an actor, and I'm a geek actor that's kind of in these genres, and I try and quell my my <laughs> shrills as much as I can, and be as professional as possible. That's it, but. Um, no, I've just been really fortunate to be involved in this. Um, I mean, I, 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 and, you know, also like Alex Garland as well, you know, I've, you know, I've managed to work with him on uh, Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. That's been fantastic. Yeah, that was one of the, I think, the most important sci-fi movies in years, Annihilation. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, what, what was it like working on the smaller scale sci-fi films versus something like uh, Avengers or, or like Doctor Strange? Is there a different process you go through when you're shaping something? Or is it, you know, theater equals TV equals film? Um, I, uh, uh, well, I guess uh, it's just budget-wise, you know, there isn't a, a, a enough biscuits, really. And with the, I think when I did uh, Moon, I think there's only, like, cheese and crackers. Yeah. And, uh, and a kettle that actually didn't work. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where you're kind of, you know, you're getting down and dirty. You know but, you've made it when the tea is it's actually served. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loose-leaf Earl Grey tea, yeah. <laughs> The, the the levers of success. The, the mm. levers of success. Duncan Jones, he's gotten there. He's figured yeah. out. Yeah. You talked a little bit about uh, what you're looking forward to doing, um, the, the creative projects or maybe stretching muscles that you haven't stretched before. Uh, I, that I, I think I heard you say you, you're, look, you're starting to write. 
Uh, yep, yep, yeah. There's a, a few little uh, kind of three little eggs that I sit on and kind of wait wait to hatch, really. So I think I'm, you know, kind of wanting to kind of uh, activate those eggs, you know, yeah. Crack them open. So you've talked about being a, like a sci-fi geek, uh, yeah. and you mentioned Image Comics, which you <coughs> be very happy over in Collider Live. Yeah. Was there anything you read growing up as a kid you'd want people to be introduced to now that they might have missed out on? Uh, no, I mean, look, uh, no, I, I just uh, was a big Spider-Man um, nerd, and I just would go to Odyssey Seven in Manchester. I'd get my Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, yeah. my, my Amazing Spider-Man, and I own a number one copy of Web of Spider-Man. Oh, and, nice. um, and then just to meet Stanley when I, you know, when we did uh, Doctor Strange, and he was there at the uh, the, the Chinese. Uh, is it the Chinese man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just came up. You know, I just I was supposed to do all this press line, and then uh, Jason saw me just like going, there's Stanley. He's like, yeah, 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 just finish these questions. I was, no, this is the window. This is my time. I made a beeline. And then I just walked off. And then um, I just kind of, and his daughter could sort of feel me in her periphery and just knew the deal. Oh, that's amazing. And I was like, uh, just edging slightly closer. And then I went, Hi, Stan, you don't know me, but... And he turned around and he went, You're Wang and you're great! And then I just could have cried. <laughs> and then that amazing. was it. I was just like, ah. Oh. I just was made up. So that was my, uh, my Stan Lee story. And then... Um, well, you've made a, a wonderful contribution to that mythology in, in taking yeah, a character who we all had a lot of affection for, yeah. but helping bring this new version of him to Thank life. Thank you, yes. Um, I mean... Again, going uh, when I got the job and going back to that source material, and you know there was kind of, you know, back in the sixties, and yeah. it's like, oh, he's serving a lot of tea at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of tea. <laughs> he makes a very good brew. Um, <clears throat> and you know, when I when I was in the trailer and uh, meeting Kevin uh, Feige and uh, Stephen, um, we were just uh, talking about it, and I said, I'm not really into doing this, and they were totally on board with, you know, on the same hymn sheet. And, uh, you know, I just think, you know, this kind of no-nonsense librarian that would break your fingers if your books are overdue <laughs> was yeah. kind of my my thing, you know, and a perfect foil to uh, the arrogance of Strange, you know. But yeah. still with a sense of humor yeah. and still with some surprises that yeah, I love. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think Marvel does that, though, don't they? They find that well, balance. Yeah. Uh, so. the, the amazing meme that developed with... Yeah. Doctor Strange and you, you ghosting basically the Avengers. <laughs> Were you yourself following that as it developed? I've always wondered if people watch their own memes. Yeah, I was actually, and um, I was a bit miffed about that, to be honest. And I thought, you know, I, I did quite a lot in eight minutes, you know? You I mean, yeah. I sliced the hand of uh, uh, Ebony Moore, the, yeah. the, the Black Order, and I saved Iron Man, and I was invited to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. you did And I thought, you guys can handle this. Yeah. I've got to protect the sanctum. Which is an important And job. that is an actual fact. Yes. <laughs> and I just thought, hang on. Doesn't anyone know I have to protect the sanctum? Yes. Justice for yeah. Wong. Justice yeah. for Wong. He Thank didn't fail you. on that mission. He Thank had stuff God. to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Might as well just get me on spin-off. Yeah. yeah, that's the move. Yeah, a bit of light shopping at Macy's. I mean, oh, right, okay. 
Um, it's an H&R show. Yeah. You at the, the Sanctum just cleaning yeah. up and watch the hell out of it. Yeah, a bit of a spruce. How are they getting on? They'll, they'll be all right. It's, it's you in this right. house. It's yeah. a buddy comedy of you in the cape. Yeah, That's what exactly. Happens. Thanks. Uh, so we also have some questions sent in yeah. by the wonderful folks of Twitter. Thank you so much for sending these in. Hi, so Tweeps. We, <laughs> um, questions from the Tweeps. Yeah. Uh, from Mr. J. Washington. What would your personal school cafeteria have in it? Um, I'm kind of, after my sort of post-Christmas cheer, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of sort of going into, you know, a bit more uh, veg- eating more vegetables and uh, fish. and So I'd, I'd quite like a, you know, a nice little juice bar, really, I think. Nice. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's it. Uh, just Jamie, something really healthy. Just something healthy post. Yeah, yeah. We all had a holiday. Come I mean, on. Definitely empathetic. I'd like I to imagine that since you're raising uh, a generation of killers on the show, you yeah. need them to be strong and yeah. healthy Absolutely. to do that work. There's Absolutely. definitely a protein fiber ratio they talk about <laughs> in that school. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. You've got to be nimble. Uh, Ms. Danny Fernandez asks, if you could have a superpower in real life, what would it be? Uh, we can all cultivate our own power of kindness. You know, that's all ours. Oh, that's beautiful. It's magic. You know, we need more of that. We need a lot more of that. A lot more of that. Um, and just kind of get rid of greed, I guess. I love both of those. I'm yeah. so on board. Yes. Give this yeah. man the cosmic cube. Yeah. Make it happen. I can fly anyway, so I'm all right. <laughs> <clears throat> From Lyrical, we have a, th- a three-part question. What kind of sandwich would you order in real life? A lot of food focus today. Uh, what sort of sandwich? Okay. What kind of sandwich would I make? We're not live, are we? No. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, what sandwich can I make? You can edit with yeah, this, we'll can't just we? Splice it up. It, it might um, <clears throat> let me see. Multigrain. Okay. Um, let's get the seeds on. Raw hummus. Oh. Uh, kind of um, alfalfa sprouts. Uh, let me see. Some. Is it Satan or Satan? What do you, why I don't do you know guys? how to pronounce it. Satan? Satan. Delicious. Satan. Satan <laughs> on the sandwich. Some hummus yeah. and Satan. Some delicious. Spread it out. El Diablo Satan. <laughs> it's a spicy um, sandwich. Some Satan. Yeah, I got really into these burgers. When we were in um, Savannah, Georgia, filming Gemini Man, there was a great uh, uh, vegan place that did these Satan burgers. They're, yeah, really tasty. Bit of sweet chili. Uh, I think that's it. I'm officially Perfect. hungry. Yeah. That totally works yeah. for me. Sorry, this is my post-Christmas cheer <laughs> answers. Anything else further down the line? Maybe in October, it will probably be like turkey, like the, the three meat sandwich probably. Yeah, <laughs> but so. daydreaming about yeah, Satan. So at the moment we're on Satan. Yeah, El Diablo Satan, I'm calling it. Seasonal sandwich <laughs> yeah. changes. Yeah. So we'll just, this is we'll what Wong is preparing yeah. at the Sanctum. He went back, he's making yeah. the sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, how's it feel to be the boss of a new generation of badasses? Ask Lysirical. Um, It feels great. <laughs> they are... I, I bloody love them. They, they are... They are, they are they're, they're just the stars of the present and future. They're, uh, they're, just look out for these uh, young actors. They're, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. And you, each, it, I mean, like, you know, we've got so much more to tell in this series. And I, and I think that's what uh, Rick and Miles and Wes Craig have sort of, like, crafted so beautifully that everyone has a moment, has their moments, you know, and... And, and don't be fooled of which position is where, uh, where they are, because they'll definitely all come up and out of uh, out of nowhere. So um, 
Yeah, watch out. But they're really extremely talented. Yeah. Aww, it's such a good ensemble. I, I look forward to seeing it, it all is. of them work. Like, yeah. it's a, such a solid show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And part three from Lyrical is uh, just an interesting question. Uh, you addressed a little bit of this on Collider Live, but yeah. do you feel a sense of responsibility to represent yourself more so because you are British and Asian and there aren't many of us in the industry? Yes, I do. Um, I mean, I didn't realize that I was, and uh, I hope I'm... Uh, a beacon of hope to uh, other East Asian uh, actors. Uh, it is possible, you know. I mean, I'm one of the lucky few. I mean, there's, you know, like this. I mean, obviously, there's Gemma Chan and uh, Katie Lang, and uh, <clears throat> uh, who are really rocking it. And um, you know, I mean, just go on the website of uh, uh, British East Asians. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, a Twitter called Beats as well, which kind of um, highlights and uh, showcases uh, East Asian shows that are coming up, you know, so um, yeah, we, 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 yeah we, we, we need to be supported, you know We're, we are actually looking for you know, the British representation, you know, just being British you know, you know I mean, I couldn't get a, a, I couldn't get arrested in uh, Manchester uh, <laughs> and you know, and then moving to London and you know, and uh, and th- and this is it. You know, like in, in some cases, I wasn't really being involved in modern day drama. That I was almost like, you know, being in the future. You know, you were in sci-fi. It was yeah. acceptable. You know, and in a way, that's where I, you know, I was more always working in space. But you know, <laughs> so I think I'd quite like to work a bit more on on planet Earth a bit more now. These but here, days. here's yeah. to the now and yeah. the near past. Yeah. And yes. the potential futures that yeah. we will hopefully be yeah. seeing you all over. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. And the, the, the happy superpower and ending greed. I love that answer so much. Thanks. A kindness is magic. Kindness. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Benedict Wong, for See being you. with us. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Corey. Thanks so much, Ron. See you. Bye. And now we have some minor mutations. We're going to kick it off with Aquaman is now the number one DC movie of all time. It has made so much money. We definitely all saw that coming. Uh, James Wan is only waiting on the right script to go into motion on Aquaman 2. Black Panther nabbed the top prize, the best picture equivalent at the SAG Awards. So excited for this movie. And the cast at that same award show started hyping us up for Black Panther 2. Patty Jenkins knows how her trilogy ends for Wonder Woman, so I must get in her brain. Yeah, that's, I, I, I must get my theater tickets. Uh, we have a wild rumor uh, repeating that Black Widow might be Marvel's first R-rated Marvel Studios film. I'm feeling sport this. Uh, Zazie Beetz discusses Joker's onset rewrites, and it's exciting. We'll talk about it. And the Doctor is coming to the Sony Universe of Marvel characters. Matt Smith signs up for Morbius. With its Chinese debut, Deadpool 2 who has passed days of future past in the box office. We have another huge bombshell announcement from the Millerverse of Netflix properties. Sandra Bullock has signed on to produce and maybe star in Reborn. We've got another trailer for The Boys coming from Amazon. It looks even crazier than the last one. And Umbrella Academy is coming to Netflix. Count the minutes. We got a new trailer. It is almost here. I'm not saying I'm excited, but I'm excited. I feel weird even saying this, though, Dorian, but we've got an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer. (laughs) It's lit. We've got our first look at Supergirl's Lex Luthor. And Dark Phoenix still exists. And we've got some images. Yeah, with some new characters and a very beat-up looking old friend. Now, I usually say, hey, what does the guest want to talk about? But I don't even need to ask. You already Anything know. on this list? You already know. So I just feel like we should just let him go. We got the first. We got our first look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season six. And my God, did it blow me away. The, the, act, the, the budget looks like they got a bigger budget. 
action pack. It looks like they're going to be in spades on the ground everywhere. I am so excited for this what season. About who shows up at the end? What's going uh, on there? What, okay, what, I got some theories. I got okay. some theories. So we we get so they say Clark Gregg or Phil Colson is dead. He's dead. He passed away. And then we get a, a glimpse of him at the end of it. So people are saying, like, maybe he's a scroll. Maybe the events, because the, the season does take place after Captain Marvel. I mean, it'll come out after the movie's already in theaters. So it'd be cool if they could do a little, mm-hmm. little tie in. So whatever happens in the events of Captain Marvel, maybe the real Coulson is still somewhere doing, dealing with that. And this, <laughs> this is a real one we see at the end of this, this trailer. Or maybe. Colson has been a scroll the whole time, and he actually died. And then we get the we have the real version. I don't know. There's yeah, so they brought him back with Cree blood that would create such a thing. It would like, oh, oh man, what would it mean? I'm just so excited. And I want to. I also want to give a special shout out to them not killing Mac. Like I'm so proud of him <laughs> making it from the when he was introduced in season one all the way up to being the director of Shield. Now, like, because there were some moments I was like, all right, we're gonna kill another brother here, but he's he survived and he's made it. He's made it all the way through. I've seen the show. He's That's not wrong. I'm not wrong. Like, like I'm, I still like get tears about. I'm still like thinking about trip um, uh, r.i.p trip you deserve better but so he's all he's made it all the way to the new season and he better make it to season seven but i'm just so excited because the cast is i don't know like the cast is all back together they seem like they're really excited for it and the the chemistry amongst them has just grown and it just feels natural so i'm looking forward to it it's marvel's longest running live action tv series now so hopefully one day we can get some some interaction within the movies because what i think would be cool is they bring they make phil colson like the the shield director for all the shows like he can he can he doesn't have to be a permanent member on agent of shield they can use him to be like the weave and tell the story through the disney plus shows like he can be have a cameo on those shows so he can mm-hmm. kind of have some fury because you don't have to like it, it, you know you know he's alive like you don't have to if you don't watch agent of shield you wouldn't you wouldn't know like phil colson was right. alive so they can just be like he's back so you weave him in that way just let him just let him interact with all the characters and that way agent of shield can start actually getting involved more in the MCU. So that's my right, that's my right. future. It's a good pitch. Speaking of characters we think are scrolls, Black Widow, the scroll. Uh, Black Widow is getting a potential rated R film. Now, I've been excited for the Black Widow movie because it should have came out about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm even more excited now because if you have an espionage thriller, you make a James Bond movie, lean all the way in. What a great opportunity for Marvel to have their first R-rated film with a character that's been in the MCU since almost the beginning. I think this is a great decision. I think that Black Widow, it's almost like an apology. Like, hey, we made you wait a really long time. Go full bore. Like, we've gotten to the point in society where an R-rated movie will sell tickets. And Black Widow, a lot of the kids that... If you were eight when the first movie came out, you're 18 now. See an R-rated movie. True. So I think it's a really good opportunity. I'd love to see a hyper-stylized, hyper-violent espionage thriller. I want to see the Red Room. I want to see the character give uh, like the, the, the max line it deserves. Okay, you're kind of selling me. I don't know. They made Winter Soldier just fine without needing an R rating. Like, and, you know, as much as I am, to my own great surprise, on the Birds of Prey train, I still don't know that, like, I, there's not many times that I'm like, this definitely needs to be R rated or I don't think you can tell the story. I think people are very creative. Um, that said, if they make an R rated Black Widow film and it's primarily so that it has super intense action scenes without a bunch of totally pointless score, um, like maybe this is going to be my favorite thing ever. And if it's what these filmmakers have a distinct vision for, mm-hmm. then I'm on board. Yeah. I just like, I'm not going to be disappointed if they're like, oh, that was just a rumor. Okay. We're yeah. going to make a really kick ass, like, Winter Soldier level Black Widow film. Yeah, yeah, I'm I kinda, think it can be done. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same. I agree with Amy. Like, if they can, if they can do an R-rated film and, and still make it feel 
in tone with Black Widow, the character we're used to already, then go for it. But it doesn't, I don't necessarily need an R-rated. I would love it, though, to just, just to see how they would bring an R-rated Marvel film to life rather mm-hmm. than try to adapt, like bring in Deadpool and then make that their R-rated movie. Like, let them see what they can do first, and then we can see other characters potentially get their R-rated. Because I know that was a lot of complaints. People were like, oh, the Fox-Disney merger, they're not going to be able to do all R-rated stuff like they were doing. So maybe this is a way, like, hey, shut up and just let us do what we're doing. We're not going to mess up your favorite franchises. We're still going to give you like what, what you deserve, but we're just going to try something different. So hopefully they can, it, hopefully they can s- s- knock it out of the park. And thematically, this. it does make like Black Widow has been up to some stuff. We yeah. know that she's lived a life. Um, like what so- happened in Budapest. So, okay, I'm going to be so mad if they ever tell us what happened in Budapest love, because the point of that joke is that we don't know. Yeah. Like, do, never tell us. Um, like, I mean, all praise to the things that I enjoyed in Solo, but I didn't need to ever see the Kessel Run. That's how lines work. Anyway. Um. So I think this is very exciting. I, I see your points. I definitely see why PG-13 could also work. I just, I haven't seen a good espionage thriller in some time. So if that happens to be a Black Widow movie, that'd be you great. You see Lucy? Heck yeah. I like Lucy. I, I like I like. Uh, so, also in the world of Deadpool, as you mentioned, my boy, Deadpool is now a higher-grossing movie than Days of Future Past. He's now, the top two all-time Fox Marvel, right? One and two are Yikes. both my boy. Damn. Little wow. bitchy bitch making all the money. Very excited <laughs> about it. Now, what do you guys think about the future? We were talking about R-rated things and everything going forward. Do you think with this Chinese release and with that advent of money, we'll get? a sooner Deadpool with the Fox like, do you think that's the next thing Fox and Marvel do well I think we should take a moment to to acknowledge that when the discussion of a PG-13 Deadpool happened there was some like maybe it's so they can release it in China and we were all like they didn't release the first one in China why would they do that I was wrong uh, they did they released that cut in China and it made a bunch of money so good plan it worked out <laughs> totally worked well done you um, <laughs> so that that is interesting because that's clearly like I think you you don't throw away something that has a foothold in that market. Right. So I don't know if it makes it faster, but I would say it probably makes it even more likely um, that that we get some version of a Deadpool 3. And Days of Future Past, I think it's almost universally agreed, is is one of the better X-Men movies. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting that I didn't realize how well it had done. And now with Deadpool passing it, I'm really curious how Marvel rewrites their X-Men franchise, how they reshape everything, if they do Deadpool as a soft reboot, if they introduce those characters through it. But either way, making all that money... Let him be his own thing. Don't make him the heart of the X-Men. That's not what that story is about, and I feel like Kevin Feige knows that. But he probably also knows not to get in the way of a thing that's working. I, I don't think they're going to make the mistake of the Wolverine and the X-Men like they did in those Brian Singer movies. Because <laughs> basically there's Wolverine and the X-Men, all of those movies. I don't think they're going to do that with Deadpool. I don't think that's the move. Uh, what called you this week in Minor Mutations? Uh, Aquaman is the highest grossing DC movie of all time. Aquaman is the highest grossing DC movie of all time. Don't let Roka hear that. <laughs> I, just, he's oh, not going to be mad that a movie found an audience, man. Um, but, like... It is interesting because I have never considered Aquaman a dumb character, but I am certainly, like, I find this amazing news for the world of comics because DC's always had a deep bench. Mm -hmm. They just weren't using it. They have always had all these great characters to work with, but they stuck with Batman and Superman because they had hits that worked. We talked about it here many times where, like, Marvel was sort of forced to look around and figure out who they had to work with. Because Spider-Man and X-Men dominated the 90s, and they couldn't make movies with either of those, and they were like, what about these Avengers? And the rest is history. Because the comic book people have done the work. They have made these wonderful, rich universes, 
And it turns out if you turn your eye on them and take them seriously, like, so they've talked about the DC versus the Marvel playbook. In my head, this is the shared playbook of both of them. Find what makes that character rich and exciting, lean into it, deliver something that is incredibly fun to watch, mm-hmm. and, like, profit. Step-free profit. And get a great director that has a strong vision. Yeah. Like, yeah. having a, a perspective that's really authentic and really true to the movie is, I think, so important. And make sure you got your script in line before you move on number two. Not a bad thing. Not sad. To hear it. Not, not, not a bad move. James Patty Juan. Jenkins kind of touched on that. She said she wants to focus. She hopes DC focuses more on individual stories and, and let, letting the, the directors tell their own stories mm-hmm. and then focus on a, a bigger picture later down the road. But let let the directors do what they got to do with those specific heroes. Don't have to worry about like trying to do a shared universe. So I'm excited to see this keep building and continuing further. I mean, I think the possibilities for a shared universe are certainly there. But right now, like the filmmaking focus being separate does make sense to me. Uh, ask me how. Excited Excited I am that Patty Jenkins is already thinking about Wonder Woman 3. I mean, I love that she already knows how it's going to end. I love that she can build towards that. I love that she's always teasing more Chris Pine because it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Patty Jenkins, everything she says makes me want more Wonder Woman. Like, yeah. every time there's a quote, I'm like, yes, you get that's yes. So oh, I really- you did that on purpose. You did that on purpose. Oh, that good decision was not a magical accident. You know what you're doing. Trilogy it's very exciting. A whole trilogy of forethought, you don't say. <laughs> I think that's how it could go and should go. So I, I'm really excited for the Patty Jenkins trilogy. I really hope she comes on for three. I yeah. really hope Things can happen. Is- There's all kinds of reasons that projects don't end up going the way we want them to, but I'm thrilled to hear that she is out there talking about coming back for one more. Yeah. Yeah. She's smart putting it out in the universe now, so so when the second one does drop, fans are going to be like, alright, where's the third one? And then the Warner Brothers are going to have no other option but to give it to her because she's already put it out there. She's she's doing the marketing now yep. in, in advance. She's smart. She's foreshadowing. Smart. She's smart. I, see she got you, I see you. Speaking of building up hype, uh, the ensemble, uh, best ensemble at the SAG Awards yeah. for Black Panther? That's incredible. Like, when I was watching the Awards live, and when they, just seeing Lupita and all of them, the joy they had, and then uh, Chadwick Boseman's speech. It, it just, was a- it, To be young, gifted, and black, that, mm-hmm. that just hit me, like, Wakanda forever. And, like, I know they're, I know they were on stage. They're, they're tired of doing this. They're, like, they're tired of doing that. So, <laughs> but just seeing them speak and just seeing that ensemble cast and just the, how proud they were to be up there and just yeah. giving a speech like that. It was just something, like, I'll, I'll probably never forget. And just, uh, uh, just to see a comic book movie like that standing up there amongst these other elite movies. It's, it's a game changer, so I'm really excited to see what happens with the future. Yeah, it's, they got it, Best Stunned Ensemble, too. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what they do at the Oscars. I know some people are going to feel some type of way, but this movie deserves the recognition it's getting. It's not oh, it's not overrated. It's not, oh, it has bad CGI on the third actor. So, like, y'all, I hate people pointing out minute things for a, such a great movie if you look at it, at, like, look at the big picture of it. It's, it's incredible. And for- award season is heating up beautifully, and like the, the consistency of how well Black Panther doing it, it, it i think it's earned its best picture exactly. for sure so I'm, I'm excited um i love making sure people like google lorraine hansberry if that quote did not sound familiar to you watch chadwick boseman's speech and then like it there's there's history here and it's beautiful uh what do we think of these onset rewrites for joker I think it's a great idea. I think that the character's chaos, I think you've got a set with Todd Phillips, you've got a bunch of comedy writers. I I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 2, which shouldn't be spoken of for its great writing, but they brought in a bunch of comedians to do a lot of the Spider-Man quips, and some of the best comedy is from those lines that were all being written on the spot. Hmm. They had like a bunch of comedians just going at it, so I think having comedians on set to do rewrites is a great idea, and if your movie... 
if, if the through line is chaos and the and the movie has this like pulse to it that's like the 70s i think it could be a really special movie because of them so i i think it's a great opportunity and it sounds like it's more of a collaborative process because she she was saying like we go into the the trailer think about it the night before run over lines and stuff like that so if all of them are in putting in their parts especially if their characters like how they would approach that scene or whatever mm-hmm. i think it's going to make it even more special yeah i agree it is interesting to see the way that the art of filmmaking is in, is changing because these days especially with big effects things you hear a lot from directors about how things have to be set in stone way in advance because yeah. it is literally impossible not to change them on a dime when you've got giant things um and in theory a movie like this has more flexibility in that way um you you want to make sure that the thing you come out with at the other end is coherent but there have been amazing movies a constructed after the fact out of footage mm-hmm. uh or that were developed in this way and i'm i'm just very curious to see what version of this we're getting because as she pointed out in that interview they had to get it all done because yeah. joaquin phoenix lost a lot of weight for the role so coming back for reshoots would be prohibitive uh so i'm i'm very curious to see what came out of that process. But I do think you're right that like instability in the character can be served by that. We just mm-hmm. we just hope it all comes together. Well, with these actors and this team, I feel like it has to, to a point. So I think with a different crew or a different set of actors or writers, I might be more concerned. But when I hear rewrites and Joaquin Phoenix and Zazie Beetz, I'm not worried about it. You know, like, I don't, I, I know that they'll handle it well. And I also know that Joaquin would not have signed on for a movie that he didn't have faith in. Like, he's yeah. very picky with those roles. The outline, the initial scripts, all of those things must have been amazing for him to sign on to a superhero movie. So at the end of the day, very little can go wrong that I'm with this movie. Like, I'm already in. Same. So can we talk about Mark Miller making more moves uh, uh, on Netflix? His miniseries Reborn that he uh, co-created with Greg Capullo Mm -hmm. uh, is the next of his Miller World properties to make this Netflix jump. And Sandra Friggin Bullock is attached to at least produce. Uh, This is what we've been waiting for since they announced that Miller World deal, which we've talked about on the show many times in the past. I'm I'm really curious to see how this will go. It's it's like an afterlife sci-fi fantasy short short series that they've done because he's moved to doing self-contained stories that are essentially (coughs) extremely adaptable. But it's working. Yeah. And I think that Miller World is a great move for Netflix. And I think it's perfectly symbiotic i think it's going to get us different types of stories out i think having sandra bullock and like giant producers coming on board means that more people read more obscure comics and i do think that his books are so adaptable i I think that he's got a cinematic style and vision even in his books so the medium is it's right there and waiting for us so i I think it's a great move on netflix's part his part sandra bullock's part do you think he's going to tackle he's doing this before he he's not touching the Nightwing project anymore, is he? Or is he Chris McKay is set to direct this. We forgot to mention that. I yeah, I feel like, so what, like Nightwing is yeah, lost in the like mail. That's just it's yeah. just done for right now. He's gonna because it seems like he's focusing on other comic book properties like this, so I, I don't know. I, what do you think? Whenever he comes out with a quote, he's always like, I still want to do Nightwing. Yeah. I, like I don't doubt his zeal or his passion for it. I just think that if if there aren't any moves getting made, you gotta you gotta work. So yeah. I think we might I think get Nightwing. If one Nightwing day. calls, he's gonna pick up the phone in a second. Um, but love the one you're with. Yeah, you know. Since it, since I can this make is this a, tomorrow, since it, he's doing this on a streaming service, could you do you think he would possibly be interested in doing like let's say because the Titan show, the end of it is focusing on uh, Dick Grayson becoming Nightwing. Right. Do you think he would be interested in tackling maybe like, like a spinoff or do a spinoff show for Nightwing? I don't know. 
Because if, if you want to share control the characters, true. It seems like he's got a vision for Nightwing that he's been so passionate about. It'd be really hard to pick up someone else's uh, breadcrumbs because they've established that character the way that is. Yeah. If his vision's different, I don't know if he'd want to be like, "Let me share this Nightwing." You know, I could see it would make sense for them to be like make a play to see if they can get him to do like a standalone feature that goes on the service. But I could understand him being reluctant because if you were hoping that it was a big screen theatrical release, uh, you can do amazing things with Nightwing in a different format. But if you already had your heart set on something else. It might feel like a come down. Yeah. They'd have to make sort of the right offer or the right support yeah. that, that they're going to offer to make that happen. Uh, I would love to talk about Mr. Matt Smith joining Morbius <laughs> because Sony made a whole lot of money with that Venom movie you might have heard about. And I think that with the cast they've got assembling for Morbius, that is another amazing opportunity to make some more money. Vampire movies do well. Uh, Jared Leto doesn't age. He is a vampire. And Matt Smith being in this gives it some geek credibility it didn't necessarily have before. What do you guys think about Matt Smith joining? I don't know what to make. I'm yeah. always happy to see him. I don't know what this movie is yet. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So uh, I like I, I'm very curious to see how it goes. Uh, if he's doing sort of a, a if if he's the Riz Ahmed of this movie, yeah. um, then I will very much enjoy him chewing whatever scenery is there and like enjoy the next of my monster movies yeah. from the Sony universe of Marvel characters. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. I I thought I think this casting is fine. I, I'm just I, I liked Venom. I'm just curious to see what they're going to do next with Morbius and see if they can actually land it and not just half acid so yeah cautiously optimistic i'll see once we get some set photos or something like that but yeah. n- not yeah i'm just I, think, I don't think they've got their do. jekyll hyde or wolfman now they're getting the vampires that's just how i'm thinking of it the now. dark universe is just sony's venom verse yep. what's funny is i don't think it's going to do as well as venom because venom is such a popular character but i do think cinematically it makes sense for the spider-man universe I think that Venom is a character that is loved and is cinematic and can exist without Spider-Man, but I think Morbius is a literal vampire story. It's got science. It's got all the things that Sony looks to make movies out of, and it's got franchise potential. So I think Morbius makes a lot of sense to be their second movie in a lot of ways, but I think the cast is going to make or break it. So Matt Smith joining gives me smoke. Do they have a director for that? I don't know. Who's directing Morbius? I feel like we know this and are just going to blank right now While we go to the next yeah. thing, I'll find out. Look that up. Uh, I was a little surprised by some of these, uh, the Dark Phoenix images, because I don't recognize some of the characters, which either means I haven't been paying enough attention to the casting um, or that they're trying some interesting out-of-the-box stuff. Uh, but it was, it was like... We're getting that movie, and I hope it's amazing, I but I don't too. know what to think about it yet. Um, I have no comment on, on this. I'm, no, I'm, I'll, I'll be nice. I, I'm excited for this movie. Hopefully, I'm trying to be optimist, cautiously optimistic about this one as well. Just some of the photos I've seen, I, I, it just doesn't excite me as much as the other X-Men movies we've seen in the other franchises. I just hope it's not a repeat of X-Men The Last Stand, which he, which he has confirmed that. He said it's not going to like he's acknowledged the mistakes he's made in that movie, but I don't know. I'm just trying to I don't know. Um, hold my breath. We'll I see love the happens. X-Men. I'm really excited that they've sort of hidden Jessica Chastain from us so much um, mm-hmm. because there's this photo was a nice reminder of how much I don't know about what they're planning with that movie. It's easy for me to get distracted by all this behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. but in the meantime, somebody went off and made a movie and did their best job to try to tell this story, and I actually know very little about what that's going to look like, and I that's guess that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
It's another Phoenix They've saga. They've got Celine, so that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the movie because I really like the X-Men universe, but I've said a hundred times, I think Brian Singer made really good mutant movies, and he's never made an X-Men movie. So I'm, I, I'm okay with this being the swan song and being over. I want them to send off well. Yeah. I hope the movie's good because I want that whole franchise to have a nice light button, but we don't know anything, like but you said. I am I'm accumulating reasons that I'm ready for a fresh start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same. So yeah, we'll I'm, I hope they go out on a bang. Hope, that's, it, yeah, hope, that's it, hope it goes on a bang, and then I think there's talks about new mutants being released on um, Hulu streaming service. It's like a rumor. I don't yeah, know if I, that's a thing. I just hope, well, hopefully, we, we get both these movies, and, and they Fox knocks out of the park with them, and then it just goes over to Marvel because, you know, I, I, we, want, we all want these movies to succeed. So yeah, hopefully, I don't want anyone's work to get yeah, hidden. Just, People are putting time and energy and craftsmanship into this, and I want it to be great. Daniel Esp- Espinoza is the director of Morbius. He Thank did you. Life, which was, I thought, a Venom prequel. It never was. Uh, Child 44 and Safe House. So he works oh, like Safe a lot. House. Yes. Excellent. So, Thank you for looking that up for yeah, us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else in the minor mutation? Umbrella book? Academy. Yeah, we got to touch on that. All I got to say is I'm excited. That's Gerard Way and Gabriel Ball wrote an amazing comic. It looks like within limits they're being faithful to the wackiness, but like for a TV show, they're being way faithful to the wackiness. Totally agree. Boys, too. I think they both are. I think both Umbrella Academy and the boys look way more almost screen accurate than I ever expected them to. The boys taking frames from the comic, the way they're like setting up the posters. I mean, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, they love this world. They love the, the indie they comic They clearly form. respect the material, And yeah. I really appreciate the fact that they're making the advertisers respect it as much. Like, they're, they're literally strong. I'm like, this is the thing that's happening. So I, I love that they're not shying away from how comic-y it is. So I think Umbrella Academy and boys are really going to show people what comics can be. Yeah, I've, I'm under embargo, but I've watched the first few episodes of Umbrella Academy. I think fans who have, are fans of the comics will appreciate this show. That's all I'll say about that. I don't want to get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, I, I like your big book. Yeah, but that, what I do love is, is that like, with these indies especially, A, attention uh, is coming to a whole crop of incredibly wonderful material. Uh, and and even the, they're shouting each other out. I continue to enjoy that Deadly Class is just dedicated to being like, here's every 80s indie you should have read. Yes. Um, like Love and Rockets. We've been talking about that on here for years. Make Love and Rockets already. Uh, but uh, it is interesting to see sort of this like class all come up accidentally together. Mm-hmm. Like Millar, Remender, like the Umbrella Academy, the taking this stuff, like even Doom Patrol, which is based heavily on Grant Morrison's run, it's not technically an indie, but it's that side of DC. It's the vertigo side of things. Um, watching this all come to light, it's going to be really fun to have the audience sort of be like, what's out there? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's interesting because they get to discover all of these subcurrents of comics that have been exciting us for so long. But what I love is that what you said about whether they're strong-arming the marketing people or whatever, it seems like they are wisely taking advantage of the fact that somebody did a bunch of work already to put this concept across <laughs> visually and in storytelling terms. And uh, they've essentially... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You don't have to follow things exactly from a different medium. You have to make changes when you adapt from one medium to another. But if Boys already has a perfect image that sums up what you're doing, yeah, see if it works for your thing. Yeah. Not everything has to be the same floating heads. Like, 
Give me the circle of them looking down. It tells comic book fans what they're in for, and it signals to other people the same thing that that cover did to readers. And like they did, your, they like work with them. And it's instantly nostalgic to those that have seen it ever. It's I, the iconography is so strong that you remember when you saw it on the shelf. If you're a comic fan, or if you weren't, you might have seen it. Now you're like, oh, that thing I saw because it's so iconic. So I, I think it's a great move. I love that we live in an age when the boys in Umbrella Academy and Deadly Class are all like. I can't oh, believe this is a real conversation. I can't believe we just did an interview with the guy who plays Wong in Doctor Strange, who's also the headmaster in the Deadly Class TV show that the Russo brothers produced. What was that what, sentence? How, how does that exist? Like, we've, we've done so... I'm so magical. It's so and magical. Guys. It's, it's cool that y'all touch on that, especially with Deadly Class, because I wasn't too familiar with the comics before the show, but I went back and, oh. and started reading them, and then yeah. it's crazy. Like, when you read the... Especially with Deadly Class, when you read the comic book panels, like, I was reading them as I was watching the show, and then it's funny. It's like, some, some of the exact lines, Hell some yeah. of the, the panels are literally being brought to screen and it's, it's crazy how accurate they know it's it's I, i'm such a big fan of the show just because of that alone. we were just talking about how cool it is that people are discovering indie comics i love yes, this i love that the plan dorian before us has discovered deadly class and that like, was i was reading and watching along i was like oh shit oh shit oh shit that's like, happening right now that oh man it was, it was cool to see it being brought to light yeah you and a lot of people like are going to i think have a chance to because it does numbers for an indie comic but numbers for an indie comic are not like numbers for the population of the world yeah. numbers for the biggest comics aren't numbers for the population of the world with the exception of Raina telgemeier who is a force unto herself but that's a separate discussion it's it is really satisfying um and knowing that remender is heavily involved and that apparently that worked because again you can't always assume your skill set's going to transfer but Turns out the guy can screenwrite as well. Yeah, um, it was, it's it's amazing. If you haven't checked out the Daily Class comics, but you're a fan of the show, I definitely go back and recommend to read the actual comics because the it it takes the panels and brings them to life like for for, for verbatim. It's ridiculous. I shout love out to it Wes so Craig, much. the artist of Deadly Class, whose energy you can clearly see translated on the show. Yeah, I mean he's so cinematic in his lines. Like his lines totally translate, and also his framing. His framing almost feels like a sixteen by nine, which I really like. It is interesting because I get like. Comics should not, in my opinion, attempt to be exact duplicates. Like they're, they, you get to do things on a page that you can't do on screen, and yeah. the best artists take advantage of that. And I think he's one of them. But you end up feeling as if, even though you're literally looking at something that works in a different way and functions differently, you feel as if you've just looked at the exact same thing yeah. because it's creating the same effect. Because they're relying on composition that you recognize mm-hmm. um, without. Sorry, I. That's my like. Praise to the separate art forms and also praise to the adapters who are doing this. All is- mediums can be great yeah. and they should be. Uh, and also in Deadly Class, uh, episode two, Brian Passane, one of the best Deadpool writers, is in the show. <laughs> oh, Because he's a stand-up comic. And so I love that there was a Deadpool writer on Deadly Class just for me. Uh, but we have comics to talk about in general this we week. We do! Our pull list Speaking is Speaking of amazing mediums, what do we got this week, Corey? So our number one of the week is going to be Heroes in Crisis number five, which I'm very excited to talk about. We've got Black Panther versus Deadpool number four. We've got Fight Club three number one. We've got the Captain Marvel Monica Rambeau trade paperback collection that came out this week. And Age of X-Men Alpha number one. I haven't seen an Alpha in like since like the 90s. An Alpha and Omega books. It's back. The 90s are here. Uh, <laughs> What book out of those calls to you, out of curiosity? And then we'll dive. I mean, of course. 
Of course, Black Panther versus Deadpool number four. That's that's the one I'm looking at right now. But the current comic books I've been reading are because if you, I don't want to spoil it because if you haven't been watching Titans, go watch that show. The end of it teases something pretty significant. So I went back and started reading Jeff Johns' run of Titans because it's 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 pretty nice. dope. So. Check it out. I don't want to spoil anything because it because it just released uh, on Netflix internationally. So we might have some international fans that are trying to binge it now. So I don't because the post credit scene for that for that season was is is so dope. So yeah. check it out. But that's what I've been that's what I've been currently reading. Nice shout out. Uh, I want to. I'm very excited that they have finally done a, a print collected edition from, as far as I'm aware, for the first time uh, of the Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. It's basically just appearances here and there, and a couple of one shots that she had. That like I, a couple of months ago, I was going through one of our bargain bins and found like the 1989 Captain Marvel number one with Monica, and I was like, I literally didn't know this existed. Amazing. Dwayne McDuffie wrote this issue. How am I just finding this out? Well, now everybody else gets to find out like that uh, Brie Larson is stepping into a beautiful, long lineage of Captain's Marvel. Uh, and Monica had given up the title years before Carol took it over in the comics, but they are all part of this sort of family tree. And I'm so thrilled that the movie is making it somehow make sense to whoever does the math uh, to do. A few weeks ago, we got a collection of the first of Carol's solo adventure years mm-hmm. called This Woman, This Warrior, which is based on the title of the original stories. Uh, and now we have a collection of the Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel issues you're going to want these i gotta talk about heroes in crisis because crisis books are always huge events at dc they're always redefining of the era of the comic and i think heroes in crisis is telling a very important story i think it's telling a very hard to read story uh, i don't want to give anything away because it's on issue five but it is a it is a brutal book it is very i think important i think it tells a, a story that more people need to feel comfortable reading uh and i think it's a it's a really bold book and i, I like it a lot Shame me until I catch up with it. I, I do really have <laughs> misfeelings in the beginning, and I'm curious to see where it goes. I think it's really smart. I think it handles subject matter that needs to be discussed. I think it's brutal but, but necessary. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, and also in mixed mediums, we discussed Fight Club 3. <laughs> now, yeah, Fight Club 3, y'all. Fight Club 2 was a 12-issue, I want to say, uh, mini, right. I think last year, the year before, recently enough. Um, and it was really cool for me. I'm a diehard Fight Club guy. Chuck Palahniuk himself scripted the comic. Mm. So to see a writer that made an amazing movie and then does great books go to the comic medium and play and flex his muscles was really cool. And David Dean Mack Remender like, covers. we can do everything. Yes, I write all of the mediums. Uh, and David Mack does the covers. It's a beautiful book. I haven't seen three yet, so I'm really excited because the way two went was not in the direction I ever thought Fight Club would go. So I'm curious what else he has in his crazy mind. I feel like it's very Fight Club that you can't tell where it's going to go. Yeah. That seems appropriate. That's how it should be. It's some magic. <laughs> But yeah, it's beautiful to have an official comic book sequel to the comic book sequel to the movie based on the book that's all from the mind of the same person. Yeah, and that's like, so rare. It's, it's, that's a really cool feeling. Uh, our final pick of this week was uh, a nice oddball for you. The X-Men are about to get weird again. Uh, the next couple of months are going to have a bunch of alternate universe-ish miniseries by some really interesting, some new creators, some familiar names, um, just remixing the X-Men one more time into yep. a bunch of alternate universe versions. Some of them look really cool, but this is where it starts. So read this alpha to see if this is going to be your jam, and then it's going to branch out into weird directions. Uh, I'm excited for Shauna McGuire's Nightcrawler. Um, that just looks real fun. Uh, so, yeah, more X-Men weirdness coming at you because the X-Men don't stop. 
They don't stop. And they have so many books again. It's like the 90s. And we're back. Okay, we have one Twitter question this week. We have our sweaty question. Our sweaty question of the week is actually our very cold question of the week. <laughs> it comes from Robert Allen at Wisconsin Drama Teacher. Hello from Wisconsin. Negative 24 with negative 50 wind chill. What comic gave you the biggest chills? Mine was Death of Superman. You guys are awesome staying sweaty. Hashtag Collider Heroes. First of all, our best to you. Stay warm. Stay We're inside. We're so sorry. Whoa. It's a whole thing. Uh, I, I'm curious about Dorian because you've been reading a lot of books. What is What gave you chills besides reading about negative 50? I don't know, man. I'm, I was coming to a blank book, right? I just wanted to mention the, the biggest chills I've had from like a, a comic book movie is sure. probably... Quinn Stacy's death. Okay, that's, that. We've said my, two positive things about Amazing Spider-Man two today. That is oh, okay, that's damn. a record. Uh, yeah, so well, she was rad. That, she was rad. He that, was rad. Yeah, that was dope. But that inspired me to go back and actually read that comic and see the actual for for yeah. the, the first time. But and that, they made the clock one twenty two, which was the issue number, that, which is brilliant. That kind of that 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 really. That, I still think about that to this day. Just her hitting that floor like a. Oh, sorry. Sorry about the mic, but <laughs> smack that um, thing. So, yeah, that that's probably the mo- the biggest chills I've had. That's a good one. Still uh, think about it to this day. Biggest fear chills uh, might come from Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Ooh. Biggest mm. emotional chills probably Brian K. Bond's Why the Last Man. Ooh, what like about you? Um, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number 13 is such a powerful issue. Uh, it's the one where Peter Parker tells Mary Jane in the Ultimate Universe that he's Spider-Man, and the entire mm. book read like high school, like authentically it captured puberty and telling your girl you like her and also just happened to be Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't even show up in the issue. There's no suit being put on. It's a conversation between MJ and Peter, and the entire issue gives me chills still. When I read it today, it still gives me chills. So warm up with some comics you love. Uh, stay safe, everybody. And until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.